This episode may contain explicit language and opinions not safe for nerds, because I'm going to say some really mean things about Star Wars and about Marvel and some really things, so don't listen. If Are you, you sure? Oh, yeah. I got some opinions this year. This Killmonger gonna, did nothing wrong. This <gasps> is going to hurt. Thanos did nothing wrong. One thing I realize, I'm not past my prime. Make no apologies for it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Better Left Podcast. This is Jay. If you're liking what you're hearing, don't forget to give us a rating of five stars. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button, too, so you can stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks a lot. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Better Left Podcast. Uh, this is Jay. You may know me as the producer. And once again, I have been let out of the editing dungeon for a chance to actually sit down and talk to you guys about my opinions. And I am joined by three very wonderful hosts in this room today. Uh, we have Ash Leon, who is joining us again. He had a chance to do an episode with us not too long ago, talking about some very controversial opinions. Awesome. And uh, you should check out that episode. Real quickly, before we move on, you know that that was the most watched listened to show that we did you flatter me i no kidding yeah. it's the fans they flatter you i just report the facts oh, oh yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. You. as you might hear that voice that is troy joining us once again Howdy. and uh we'll also have adam in the room shalom and you may know him as our wonderful wonderful jewish commentator uh, we have a really good episode. <laughs> this is basically the Talmud. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're like in the, like one of those Muppets looking down, <laughs> rabbiing everyone. Rabbi Muppet. You keep calling yourself the token Jew, so this is you can be that if you so want. He means token, like that's what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we have a really good episode for you guys today. We're going to be talking about a couple things. And Troy, I understand you have that list of things. I over do. There. You know, um, uh, we got a good show. We're talking about. Hulu now with Disney, but it just opened up a just a whole canon's can worth, us? kind of, but a canon's worth of like it's universe and universe and uh, some controversial opinions. As Jay said, we're going to talk as well about uh, the Seattle Providence um, hospital strike. It's not just nurses, but we'll get into that later. Yep. Um, lots of good stuff there. Um, and then uh, Ash brought up the um, Phoenix Jones, our um, Seattle's own superhero in a little bit of trouble. And um, we've got some discussions about uh, the history of the Seattle Black Panther Party. And then we're going to talk about 2020 thus far. Spoiler alert, shit show. Yeah. Can we get a couple things out of the way first? Can we just say no? <laughs> yes, can we, go. Can we just go ahead and say Brexit happened? There's an impeachment happening. Let's move on. I am having such a hard time with that impeachment because when I was, I've been in Arizona for the last two weeks and that was all my parents had. Oh, on. no. It was Fox News oh, and that no. impeachment mm. stuff. So I thought but, they weren't covering the impeachment. Uh, I mean, they have opinions about it. I mean, I they think they just spend the all of the shows. Like throwing barbs at the process, yeah. as opposed to like, yeah, and just talking about how Trump is innocent before you know we've done anything. But it's it's fine. It's oh, it's fine. fine. It's fine. Well, I'm so glad that we covered it, so so we yeah. can move on and talk about important Hulu. things. Ash, you're the one that we were like, oh, really? Is that a thing? Um, but uh, Disney now officially has the keys to the Hulu kingdom. Yes, on this. Uh Actually, they did this yesterday, apparently. That's fresh. Uh, wow. It went right Funky under my fresh. nose. But yeah, they've officially folded Hulu into their uh, 
Empire. Uh, and now they have one of their guys running Hulu. I uh, don't know where that's going to go or what else they'll... Does this... Um, uh, Ash, we don't uh, call it... It's not the Disney Empire. We all know it's the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> um, House of Mouse, thank you. No. Um, <laughs> so Hulu continues on. Yes. It is yeah. still a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so they have what? What are their networks? What are their like? They've got what are their streaming networks? So they've got the Disney Plus. They've got Disney Plus. They've got ESPN Plus. They've got Hulu and Hulu Plus. ABC has a little bit of its own streaming. Yeah, it, really. God, what a yeah. Isn't that a bit much? I mean, I feel like there's a million different streaming apps for yeah. anything now. It's like, yeah. uh, and there's all the little offshoot ones like Tubi and. Crackle and yes. all those, depending upon Shutter. where you're at. Shutter. I actually have Shutter, Shutter so don't you talk bad about them. Shutter's pretty Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I, I have the Hulu channel for my, uh, not the Hulu channel, I'm sorry, the Roku channel, which has, that's how I saw Paddington for the first time. Okay. Oh, okay. Adorbs. Was it a good movie, Paddington? Paddington was one of the most heartwarming movies I've ever seen. We'll save that and, for the, uh, for the uh, end of the show and we can... You can tell us all about Paddington. I, all do, right. do you do an, uh, um, uh, like a, can you speak like Paddington? Mm, no, but I do have a picture of myself cuddling next to the Paddington statue at Paddington Station in oh, London. Oh, thank God. Were you lost? Uh, yeah, I was lost. I actually was lost because I went to the wrong train station. How did you have the bus. picture? Was it a stranger? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> all right, so Ash uh, and Jay. Yes. You, there was some serious Star Wars sparking going on. Um Jay, you're in deep. Like you I are am. all about it. So talk to me about fandom and the whole thing. Like where where do you draw the line in the Star Wars universe? Like do you love the whole thing? Are you, you know, and it ashes it relates to fandom stuff and this is going to freak you out, but because uh, Jay's really in deep. Uh, where do you sit in that whole thing? Let's just talk about it. Oh, oh, that's quite the thing. Well, I think the first thing to address here is that I don't draw that line. Disney managed to do that for us uh, when they bought Star Wars and they said everything that we've written before it's gone now. Me just, also, ow. Yeah. And honestly, I'm okay with that because there was this awful, really like, <laughs> how else do you say this? Almost like a racist trope of an alien race that came in and just did some terrible things in this universe and they got rid of it. And I was totally okay with that. Anyway. Um, I don't, Interesting. Um, what was the race? Yuzen Vong. Are they the... They were, they were like weird crab people that also did martial arts. It's it's weird. <laughs> don't, not, let's not talk about fair it. Fair enough. Because I, I do recall a few racist tropey, yeah. you know. So Was, Wasn't Greedo meant to be like kind of Jewish? And yeah. Jabba the, Jabba the Hutt was something or another too. Well, oh, was there a Jabba thing? I don't know. I mean, he was a gangster, so there probably was like a little no. bit of Italian stuff in there. There was the oh. Jar Jar thing. Right. As well, Jar Jar uh, was supposed to be Jamaican. So I, 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 I was lucky. I got pretty lucky. Uh, I didn't actually get into Star Wars until 2017, and it was by chance. I grew up a Trekkie, and Star mm. Wars is just one of those things that's so big, just globally, that without watching a single movie, you know Yoda, true, you know lightsabers, true. you know. And so I remember. Disney and Marvel announced that they were going to premiere the trailer for Infinity War before The Last Jedi. And I am a respectful nerd. I <laughs> I felt like I, there's no way I can go see The Last Jedi and not know what's going on. Like, I have to give Fair. Star Wars respect. Yeah. So I sat down. It took me about two days and I watched 
all of the films except episode one in what they call the machete order. Thank you. Oh, talk and to me about that. Why do they call it the machete order? This is some Because fan... you get rid of the Phantom Menace because it's you're, garbage. You're chopping uh, out the worst part. <laughs> no, it just, uh, it's, it's oh, man, it presents the story to you in a more cohesive way that adds context you wouldn't get if you watched it in the chronological order or in the order of release. Yeah, so this is the thing that's really important. Like, if you watch it in the order of release, you get this story about Luke Skywalker ending the Empire, and then everything kind of restarts again, right? Well, the funny thing is, is like, the story is really about Anakin Skywalker, and Anakin Skywalker is kind of dealing with his emotional kind of turmoil that he has inside, and his ability is struggle to control the universe. And so, this is what the Machete Order does: is you watch first, you watch A New Hope, it's the first one. Then you watch Empire Strikes Back. Then you go back and you watch Attack of the Clones. You watch Revenge of the Sith. And finally, you watch Return of the Jedi. Who curated that? Uh, uh, the internet. Yeah. And <laughs> also, when you- Like a collaborative kind of thing, like a fandom? I think it was more than one person. Um, well, I know, I, I know, I think it was just an internet thing at one point, but uh, what's his face um, from that 70s show? Um, the guy Ashton played, Kutcher or no the, the guy who played Eric Foreman oh um, Topher Grace Topher Grace Topher Grace, yeah. Topher Grace um, made a super cut of all of the star, <gasps> this of the first of, six this Star Wars films right, right. and, maybe, and people liked it yeah like yeah yeah, met yeah. wild acclaim yeah. well I think it's really interesting because you know Star Wars has always been this icon in cinema where you can point back to it you can say there are all these interesting kind of like themes that run through it that tend to parallel American uh, history. So for example, when Star Wars first comes out, it's the story of a ragtag group overthrowing an empire. And this was coming hot on the heels of the Vietnam War. Sure, there's right? pinches of the Nazi, like, yeah, you know, that kind not, of let's, And we'll just pass over the fact that George Lucas stole the shapings of the story from Seven Samurai, but we'll, we'll move past that. Nevertheless, like, you can kind of see the same thing happening again, right? As Americans, I think we struggle with this kind of this idea about like, how do we do inclusion? What do we, and how do we work through that? And how do we kind of like imagine ourselves as having this good heart, right? And Anakin Skywalker does that, right? So he goes through that past now. And I think that's why the machete order is really cool is because you can actually get a chance to see Darth Vader kind of like move through and finally redeem himself. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it shows you a parallel. You know, because like Jay said, you start with episode four and five. And so that that introduces you to Luke. And then you go back to two and three. And it's kind of like a flashback arc where you get to see Anakin and you get to see where he starts to uh, go down the wrong path, so to speak. Whereas Luke goes down, I guess, what would be considered the right path. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And so I'm just bagging on the new movie for a second here because I hated it. What new movie? Exactly, Ugh. exactly. But like, this is the thing that was so interesting. So Last Jedi is actually one of my favorite Star Wars movies, even though it got a lot of flack. And the reason being, it continued that trend. So if you look at Luke Skywalker, he runs away in Force Awakens. You can't, he's nowhere to be found. We're going to ignore all of J.J. Abrams' garbage like tropes and mechanisms <laughs> yes, he yeah, put in yeah. there in writing. But then Ryan Johnson comes in and is just like, now we have this really uh, troubled character who felt guilty to the same thing that his father did. He fell prey to the same thing that his father did. He ends up giving in. In fact, the thing that's really interesting is Luke Skywalker tries to kill younglings mm. in, the, does, in, the, in the sense that he tries to kill Ben Solo. Uh, so he does the same. He falls prey to the same crime, the same sin that his father did by giving into his passions and his fear. 
Now, I think that's one of the things that's really interesting. This is actually why I really like The Last Jedi is because there's this brilliant kind of piece of storytelling that Ryan Johnson brings out at the same time as trying to bring in this inclusion of historically non-represented characters in Star Wars. For example, like, you know, Rose Tico, the first Asian character in the Star Wars universe. Well, that went over... Like the poor woman was chased off of the internet. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then Disney sold out and pretty much cut her out of the the third one. And they give this bullshit excuse. They're like, yeah, she was supposed to be with Carrie Fisher the oh, whole time. Mm. But yeah, it's like you rewrote the, trying to tire to right. honor and you know like yeah. whatever. You rewrote the whole movie right. to account for Carrie Fisher, and suddenly Rose Tico is just no longer part of it. You're like, mm, we don't need that character anymore. And then they pass off this very quick scene, which they deleted from other markets, where two women kiss. Which they said, I have a question uh, just about drawing lines. So when it comes to an entity like Disney, right, how much credit do we give them for success of these franchises? And how much do we give them for when things go wrong? Like how much of this new movie is actually on these writers and how much of it is Disney's influence also, how much have they borrowed from their, their deep in fandom, their, all of that stuff? Like, there's many, like, discussions that I think inform the making of the film. They just have all the money. I, I ask because uh, with, with the MCU films, there seems to be a lot of creative autonomy. Uh, even with Jay's favorite MCU movie, Black Panther, <laughs> uh, you know, Ryan Coogler says that they basically just gave him a budget and they let him do what he wanted to do. Uh, and I heard the same about the Infinity War saga uh, or the last two movies. Yeah. That they were just simply told Thanos, that's who we want. And then do the idea it. is Disney is right. more like the, this is our recipe for big budget. Do not stray from this. Don't Thor Ragnarok it. Well, I mean, uh, the the fact of the matter is that, that um, these movies have had different levels of corporatism, you know, their hands in the pot. Um, look at the early MCU films and you see a lot more of that heavy handed corporatism. You know, Iron Man two was the ultimate setup movie. It was, there was a lot of here, put this in, put this in there. Let's introduce black widow. Let's introduce, uh, uh, let's put in some like random extra side character and try and tie in, um, this universe together to set up the Avengers. Um, and I think that Star Wars, the the new ones, really fell prey to the to the formula Disney, to the Disney corporatism. Um, the what does it seem like up or line. those other like didn't they do up or well well but that but Pixar jerking kind think, of I think but Pixar is its own entity and Pixar like has a track record of doing of doing these unique individual films Marvel we're Studios talking about Star Wars what well, they yeah we're talking about Star Wars which which uh changed before, culture yeah but then but then Star Wars uh then Lucasfilm was bought by Disney and uh the last couple films that that Lucasfilm had made were not great Star Wars movies attack there's of the probably Co- a really big there's probably a lot of people who fall on either side of what they love there, but it's the politics of Disney studios is probably pretty fascinating to break out. Mm. I think it's important too. I agree with Adam on this point. Actually, I think that they did fall prey to corporatism because it's like the Ryan Johnson films got a lot of backlash, right? I mean, they got a lot of backlash. And I know a lot of people really, really disliked them and that's the last Jedi. Right. And yeah, I haven't seen when it they yet. get into rise of Skywalker, it's like everything has completely changed. It's like, 
uh, you know, Ray's parents are no longer a mystery. I'm sorry if that was a big reveal to somebody. But like, what? Who are they? <laughs> I won't say. Uh, but there's somebody in there. John like, Snow's uncle. Yeah, Bruce his, Willis was also dead the whole time. Daenerys Targaryen. Um, he so sees midichlorian. But they people. give into it, right? So they give into this kind of like they back off of anything that would have caused them to have any kind of real impact to it. And this is a big problem because I think um, there's this idea when you start doing literary analysis of you know culture. And you look at the texts that they actually use and they talk about all the time, they're what are known as foundational epics, right? So a foundational epic to a culture is literally the do- the books that we are deriving our morality from, oh, right? Okay. So for the Greek and Hellenistic cultures, it was the Odyssey. Yeah. Right? That was it. And the main character in there, which is actually why I like Doctor Strange, the main character in the Odyssey is uh, his virtue is his metis, which just literally is his cleverness, his quick wittedness. Like it's, his, it's metis. Yeah, metis. Metis. Yeah. Meet me. That's, I didn't meet know you. that's where we're going with it, but yeah. I, I'm glad that you clarified because yeah, yeah, I would have yeah. just thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the thing that's. His meat sword. A, yeah. His meat sword is <laughs> his quick wittedness and his cleverness. And actually, Doctor Strange has the same thing about him. It's, it's like, it's not strength, it's not power. It's actually his wit that gets him out of situations. Yeah. That's why I liked it. Um, Doctor Strange, my, one of my but, favorite. So the Marvel universe and the Star Wars universe are now becoming these foundational epics where we see heroes and their fail, their failures and the points that they fail on are supposed to be the things that we learn from. Interesting. So they are homogenizing, sort of pulling away the meaning because they want to have one. I think so. And like, I think this is one of the most difficult things when we start thinking about like once entertainment gets involved and I think entertainment like that is really an art form. Once it starts getting involved with this corporate culture, we lose a lot of this. We do. Yeah. I think um, that the reason that the MCU has gotten this, uh, this level of individuality and independence is because there's been such a track record under Kevin Feige of making, making these unique independent movies, getting the right people giving them a budget saying, what's your idea? And then going for it. The linking um, is brilliant too. Like that is right. just a, just how they drew the line through. It's really phenomenal. Right. right. Like nothing, nothing is, uh, they're, they're like pieces that are, that seem to be in play and there's the overarching story. Yeah. But in general, it seems like Feige just kind of does, does those things. And they didn't, they haven't had that with Star Wars. They just didn't have that, the, the time to do it. Ashes down. Shout, shout out to Feige for that reason. And also for that reason, I feel George Lucas is actually overrated. I feel like the best thing that he's done is just come up with the idea of Star Wars. Which was just a watered down kind of historical reflection. It was. And I feel that he did a piss poor job at actually creating a universe, which is why the extended universe was so awesome but also everywhere look how old is star wars it's almost like 50 now yeah Uh, and yoda yoda one of the most iconic characters in science fiction does not have an identifiable species name crazy Mm -hmm. and that the till the baby yoda thing popped out i was like wait a minute where Uh, does yoda come from is everybody just forget yaddle no nobody nobody knows who yaddle is i did, did you guys because know that? Yeah. We, we pronounce it Seattle? Uh, there was another Yoda already in the prequels. He was a Jedi Master. And was his he name was Yaddle. Oh, he was Yoda. Yeah. His name is Yaddle. Yeah, yeah. her Yaddle. name is Yaddle. Female. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Also, did you know that uh, ET's species is a uh, you see is him. a canon species in the Star Wars universe? You That's see him in the Galactic Senate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a nod. I don't know if it's official, but. Uh, 
Go ahead. Oh, what about the Christmas uh, special with the oh, yeah. with the Wookies and that Grandpa is, Wookie? That got moved oh, to yeah. Legends, thank yeah, God. It but it yeah. still gets referenced in some canonical units because, like, uh, I was playing through the new Star Wars game because that's how deep down this rabbit hole I go. And they were no talking joke. about Life Day, that's which right. is oh, my a God. reference to the holiday that's special. That's their Wookie holiday. So, Ashley, do you want to add something before we uh, dive into some more nerdery? No, no, I'm good. I'm. Well, I just want to say one more thing here. I just before we get off the Star Wars train. Oh, right? we're on it still. I have some questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole Luke Skywalker thing is just a really interesting development, right? When you think about when he gets into actually having power in Return of the Jedi, right? He never actually does anything of note. Yeah. He doesn't mm. defeat the Emperor. Interesting. Vader does, right? right? In fact, Luke's entire life is a life of failure. And then he goes and hides, right? Right. Like, and then he goes and hides after trying to form the new Jedi Order. His entire life is a life of failure. The only thing he did was shoot a torpedo down the, de- the first Death Star. Now, and obviously killing lots of and millions of innocents in the process, but... Are, are you taking us somewhere or like an allegory no, I, yeah. boomer? Let me, let me get there. Okay. <laughs> that is ruined your day. Yeah. All right. We'll just end yes. that. Uh, Podcast no. over. <laughs> no, but I think that's the thing that's interesting. That's what Luke is supposed to be relatable for, right? Yeah. Is that a lot of us, we actually fail. We fail when we go through these things. We fail when we kind of like get into the, a situation. And it was only when Luke actually sacrifices himself for some greater thing that he actually has his biggest achievement, which is beating Ben Solo on crate. Was it? Yeah. 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 On crate. Yeah. So, and defeating his entire thing, which by the way, I love the way Ryan Johnson did that. Like the homage to like the samurai movies as he moves his foot through the dust in his image. It was just an incredible piece of cinematography. I th- I feel like the, the last Jedi it's, it was so polarizing because it took a lot of the tropes that the original star Wars movies had oh, yeah. and flipped them on its head. Um, the, like the force awakens was more or less a remake of a new hope. Let's be honest. And people people go into Star Wars movies hoping in in so many ways to have like the same comfort of of their previous movies. They they want right. they want that they want it's like sitting on a couch, right? You you even an old cat, even a new couch, you still want to be able to sink into it like your old couch. You want to yeah. fill it with farts just like any other. But the yeah. thing that's important is like these heroes aren't perfect. Right. Right, and it's just like when heroes are perfect, which I'm gonna sh- shit on Ray for a second. Yes, when heroes are perfect, they're boring. Good. They're completely boring, and there's nothing for us to learn from them. It's like Ray, they allude to the fact that she might fall to the dark side. Yeah, in the first and the second, ham-handedly, and, they, yeah. and ham-handedly, and then by the third, she a little bit does. And I'm sorry if you haven't seen it, but like she a little bit does, but then doesn't. And it's just completely ham-fisted and underdeveloped in every way. Yeah, because she's a Mary Sue. And I know that's terrible to say because why is it terrible? What's Mary Sue? A Mary Sue is just a character that can do everything and uh, is also okay, the author. Gotcha. Yeah. So like the, okay, gotcha. Oh, go ahead, Ash, uh, and then um, I was going to ask: Have you read or at least heard about the original script? Oh, the they, Trevorrow script. Yeah, I don't have any faith in that just because Trevorrow is an idiot too. I haven't checked it out. I I would like yeah. something else though. It, I'll just say this about yeah, Trevorrow. Help, like, yeah, explain what this is about. Yeah, there was some differences in it, um, like a secret script or a script that just got yeah, made or allegedly a, draft. a script that Trevorrow wrote got leaked, and there were just some differences in it where I think like Ray's lineage is never revealed. Uh, she actually is that. It would have been a fan revolt. I think, yeah. That would have been nice. Right. And it would have been bold, mm-hmm. which is cool. But Trevorrow is absolutely crazy. And like, that's the thing is when he first got offered it, he actually asked the question of, do you think it would be okay to film this actually in space? <laughs> 
That's very Kubrick of him. Yeah. That is. Uh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Space so, Force. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, like the, the point that I was just trying to make before is this: is these failed heroes, right? They're important in literature. Uh, they're important. Yeah, because they. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But they're important in our lives too. Like yeah. that's the thing that's really interesting. They um, tell a, a human tale. Yeah. Do you mind if I move the conversation a little bit? No, go for it. Because you and I were talking about this earlier. Yeah. And the Kobe Bryant thing is a really interesting thing. Uh, and you and I fell on very different uh, places. And so if you're just listening and you lived under a rock, Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. Presumably. Yeah. With daughter and, yeah. Yeah. With his daughter and a coach and another daughter, the daughter, the coach's daughter. And there was a fifth person who so, I can't remember. Seven, seven, seven people victims. in total. Right? Yeah. Oh, was there seven in total? I thought there were Nine five. in total. Oh, oh wow. Mm. Okay. And so really tragic accident. Um, and I don't come from a community that saw Kobe Bryant as a hero figure. So the only thing I saw of him, it was kind of like this negative slant uh, about the whole kind of like rape discussion that happened. And so I'm just curious, like, can you talk to me a little bit about why you felt like Kobe Bryant's a hero, at least a complicated figure? I, I really appreciate the way that you described Luke. So I really like uh, that you brought up the point about Luke Skywalker being this failed hero, uh, because in a lot of ways, that's how I see Kobe Bryant. There's a lot of nuance, you know. Of course, he was this NBA champion. He was this warrior on the court. Uh, and for the black community, for a, a good portion of it, he was our Musashi Miyamoto. He was our philosopher. That's what the mama mentality is all about. And, you know, his death brought back some some wounds just about a situation that happened back in 2003. For anyone who's unfamiliar, uh, there was a non-consensual issue, sexual assault, trigger warning. Um, and the thing that stood out to me about that situation is that Kobe, like a champion, like a failed hero, publicly acknowledges this. And I pulled up his apology because I, this is a pretty low standard. I'd say, you know, we should honestly be beyond this in society. So by no means am I giving this man, even in his death, brownie points for this. Uh, but I haven't, I'll just read the apology. He says, first, I want to apologize directly to the young woman involved in this incident. I want to apologize to her for my behavior that night and for the consequences she has suffered in the past year. Although this year has been incredibly difficult for me personally, I can only imagine the pain she has to endure. I also want to apologize to her parents and family members and to my family and friends and supporters and to the citizens of Eagle, Colorado. I also want to make it clear that I do not question the motives of this young woman. No money has been paid to this woman. She has agreed that this statement will not be used against me in the civil case. Although I truly believe this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. After months of reviewing Discovery, listening to her attorney, and even her testimony in person, I now understand how she feels that she did not consent to this encounter. I issue this statement today fully aware that while one part of this case ends today, another remains. I understand that the civil case against me will go forward, that part of this case will be decided by and between the parties directly involved in the incident and will no longer be a financial or emotional drain on the citizens of the state of Colorado. So uh, they settled. There are other aspects of this that are painful for various 
figures in our lives, mothers, uh, infidelities, children, all of that. Um, but the other side of this is the hero side, the why people looked up to him and what they, uh, having talked to a person who worked with him at a, at a fast food place, uh, it was, uh, I think it was Chipotle, I think. Um, this guy was so heartbroken that people didn't know Kobe. Like they, he, he really was, it was so painful to read. He wasn't even like freaking out and being sort of an internet troll. He was deeply wounded, um, but had no sort of balance to this. Like, well, how do you, how do you make sense of, and his answer was there are two sides to every story. Well, that's just not enough for some folks, but it is for him. He knew him. Yeah. And I'll just say that's not enough for me. Right. And like, when you read that account, you're reading it as this apology. And uh, at least that's how he uh, portrayed it. And for me, what I read it as is an attempt to reconcile in himself what he did, but without taking accountability. And that's, and that's part of the issue for me. All right. So one of my personal gripes with cancel culture is that, you know, Okay, so we've identified that this person has done something wrong, right? And there needs to be accountability. And in certain situations, maybe there needs to be a punishment. I don't know. Even that is nuanced, right? But what I don't like about cancel culture is at what point do we assess growth? At what point do we look at the person and we say, okay, they've unpacked this, they've learned. This doesn't mean that what they've done goes away and that they become a hero, But I feel it should be something that we discuss. And so when I read this, I say, okay, this is a this is a celebrity athlete. And typically they don't hold themselves accountable. They don't apologize. They don't say things like I can see it. I can see how from her perspective that this wasn't consensual. And shout out to my good friend Kamali, uh, because he also brought this point up a few days ago about how we should be talking about this right now because consent is something we should always be discussing. And I can honestly say, as a rapper, uh, power dynamics are real, okay? There are a lot of situations where a person may do something that they don't wanna do and they may not express that, right? Because they feel like they have to. They feel like, well, you're the pop, the public figure. And if I don't do this, anything can happen. Or maybe they feel like they don't have a choice, right? And again, nuance. These are not things that we can always, as much as we would like to say, well, you should read body language. Sometimes things don't always translate that way. So if that person decides after the fact, hey, I really didn't want to do that thing. They're valid. They are then they are a victim. Uh, and the, I guess the the more nuanced question is, well, then now how do we deal with the other person who is now the abuser in this situation? You know, because impact is bigger than intent. And that's how I read his statement. Yeah. And, and I and I hear what you're saying. I just want to add a little uh one of the things that came out as a result of the conversations um, in the court case, uh, uh, Bryant stating that he assumed consent for sex because of the accuser's body language, that that was the only consent um, that uh, it's I, I was going to say it's easy for me to say that that's pretty challenging for me to kind of wrap my head around. Um, but I'm also 
curious, Jay, when it comes to this kind of stuff, is there redemption? Like, is do we presume that he didn't like go ahead? Okay, I, I just want to make sure we're very clear with everybody around the table. Uh, none of us agree with what Kobe did. Yes, 100%. Right. All of us agree. He he pushed consent. He did not get consent from his partner in this moment, and he did a wrong thing. We're yes. all in agreement. All in agreement. Okay, perfect. Um, because I don't want that nuance to come away from here. Like, I don't want it to sound like, yes, there was a reason for him to believe it. Yeah, obviously, you know, consent can be this nuanced thing when we're in gray situations, but it's part of us as being responsible individuals to actually bring it, yeah. to bring it away from a to area ask of grayness. It if you don't hear it to, yes, yes. Yes. And to immediately make it in a point of clarity, which is yeah. there is consent in this situation, right? I'm not pushing you. I'm not making you feel anything of that sort. And that is, this is where yeah. I think my criticism of Kobe comes down, right? Yep. Which is like what you said, Ash, when you have a position of power, you get into this place where you have to be aware of that position of power that you're in. Right. And this is true of all of us in society, not yep. just in persons who are, you know, celebrity figures, but even like managers in a company or, you know, somebody who even might have a higher position in a social circle than somebody else. They can also engage in this kind of behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because for me, when I read this story, um, there's a slight tangent. You know, I was just talking with somebody else recently and she was explaining to me that she was thinking about having sex with somebody. because She was afraid that she would lose her standing in a social circle, right? Mm, mm. And it's that kind of thing where we don't realize that there are these power dynamics that go in there when she's afraid that she's going to be ostracized from a group of friends that she cares about and it's easier for her to do this than it would be for her to just walk away. So th this is the point for me. For me, Kobe, he's a rapist, right? Like I think that's the end of the discussion for that point. Now, um, to your point before, when you talk about like, when do we bring these figures back into kind of like a place where we can look at them as figures, right? That's a much more difficult question. This is where Kobe was interesting is that he was a hero figure to people beforehand, right? He was somebody who worked his ass off to get to where he was. He didn't come from a rich family, right? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he came from yeah. somebody who was just... Yeah. I think his dad played overseas in Italy. Yeah. So working class roots. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he was in that position. I don't know if there is a place where we have to, where we have to give people room to grow when they're public figures. Um, back to that nuance thing. Um, I, it, you know, it is Black History Month. Yeah. And yeah. I, I wonder often, is there a redemption for black men when it comes to this? Because, there are very high profile people who still defend and publicly uh, honor their friendship with Woody Allen and Roman oh, yeah. Polanski. I've heard Quentin Tarantino on record on a podcast defend Roman Polanski oh, yeah. a few years ago. And it's just a weird nuanced thing to but look why at. Why do the rules change for celebrities? I mean, Michael Jackson is defended by many, many people with a long, lengthy discussion. And actually, I didn't mean to bring that up as a sort of uh you know a uh, black counterpoint there is something that happens with celebrity that allows these idealized versions of humans which are actually turn out to be just trash fires of people like just awful entitled and then empowered to be even more entitled uh to just look at the world as a place for them to sort of just consume in whatever fashion that they want but it happens across race at the very least, with Michael Jackson, you 
if someone were to defend him, they could argue that, well, you know, there there was court, you know, there were there were all these things with that. And he was still scrutinized. We're even still talking about it now. Roman Polanski fled the country and was yes. still making muse- movies oh, yeah. and is still regarded. That's and- a good point, Ash. You know, we, they really did like they rolled them through. They shamed him. They did all this stuff. But yeah, Roman Polanski. Still, that's but, I mean, I'm just going to say this because if there's one group of people that you can always marginalize and get away with, it's women. All the time. Women fall prey to this kind of thing all the time. The person that Roman Polanski was a predator to was a 12-year-old girl in a jacuzzi, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the or pr- you know, children. I mean, that, that's a... Well, I mean, and the thing with Kobe Bryant situation is that Kobe Bryant raped a woman. You know, the one person who forced themselves on another man was Kevin Spacey. And, and Kevin Spacey has not gotten nearly the ire that Kobe Bryant had. He was allowed to vanish. I'm, I'm, I am, I'm particularly bothered by that. I mean, like it is unbelievable. He gets, he gets criticized anytime he ever shows up. But is only, he showing up? I never hear he, about it. He apparently does like his annual um, Frank Underwood creep ass video. Oh, I God. did see that. That it, was so creepy. Why? But that's it. That's the only time he shows up. That's the only time he, that he's in the public consciousness. His, his victims vanished, and that's also a creepy thing. Oh yeah. Uh, I believe two of his accusers have gone. Uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, we're probably next. That they, what, 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 were you talking about? Like, they, did they commit suicide or they just vanished? I think one of them may have committed suicide, and the other, I, I don't know what happened. I have to you look know, it up. Kevin Spacey, yeah. the Spacey stuff was was a the worst kept secret ever. But the, the depths to which they covered up the massages, the all like the oh it, yeah, it's crazy. But. Back to your original point about like, when do we give these people a chance? I, I'm on the persuasion that we don't. Like, I'll just be honest with you. A hero is somebody who, yes, they can be failed. They can, and we can have role models who are people who have gone through things and come out to that, the other side. But my opinion on it is he probably should have been canceled. Like, he should have been somebody who is just like, you know what? This is not the kind of person that we want people to look forward to, uh, look up to. And we should have gotten rid of him, but we didn't do that. But uh, aren't we? Like going back to the to the uh, impetus of this conversation, we're talking about Luke Skywalker as a failed hero. Um, we still treat him as a hero as well, despite his own uh, shortcomings. So why can we? Why do we? Why do we cancel Kobe Kobe Bryant, who's simply a, like a real person who did this? You know this this messed up thing. Acknowledge the messed up thing that he did. Whether you think that it's an apology or whether you think it's trying to save face. Um, we, we are, you're, you're arguing that we cancel him and yet you still glorify Luke Skywalker. Wait a minute. Wait, well, I, are I, we, well, is there a corollary? Honestly, I'm now I'm losing the thread here. Did Luke Skywalker do anything no, like, in canon? Let's just be clear. And that's also a <laughs> fictional to character ki- to be right. fair. Uh, but with the Kobe thing, yeah, yeah. again, back to that nuance word, because canceled, it's hard when he's a professional athlete, you know? And that's why people are cheering for him. And Help also, well, why? Uh, because people are cheering for him because he's playing sports, right? Yeah. So it's, I get it. it's okay, easy yeah. to separate. I don't know, like the sports uh, thing. I, I love. But I then there are there is a huge field of people who still hold on to that. They have not let yeah. that go. So I can't say that he's been uncancelled, right? Uh, and that's why I brought up Roman Polanski because oh, yeah. I personally, just like with Michael Vick, feel that Kobe never 
stepped away from being scrutinized. Even uh-huh. in pop culture, even rappers have made references to what happened. Yeah. Uh, and that's just... Why, you know, it confuses me. The, the Roman Polanski stuff, like for me, it always just seemed so wild. Uh, there's nobody... Uh, what popular Hollywood, you know, nerd directors are, you know, talking about that. Why is common culture? Are we doing that? Because I don't... So- so one thing I want to go back to what you asked Adam because I actually think there's a really important lesson to be learned from that. So when we talk about fictional characters, we can watch the overall transition of their arc and there's no moral accountability on us as people yeah. to hold them accountable, Fair. right? Sure. So a fictional character doesn't exist in the same universe as you. Right. Right now maybe you decide to stop reading the book, maybe you decide that, you know, I'm just not going to engage with that uh, or whatever it might be. That's an option you would have as a in somebody who consumes that entertainment. But when Kobe Bryant exists in the same society with us, Roman Polanski exists in the same society as us, Kevin Spacey does, Woody Allen and those things, that means they're playing the same moral game that we are. Right. Which is really critical because how we hold these people accountable is also what we're going to do with our friends and what we're going to do with our others. And I'm just going to say this one more time. You know, uh, Ash, you sent me a link from The Nation where they actually interviewed somebody with, I think the organization was Men Stop Rape. Or so, but anyway, the point that he says is like, you know, if there's one thing I've learned in my, um, in my working with them, men can stop rate, Neil Irvin. Yeah. He says that there's one thing I could learn from that is that survivors don't lie. They mm. don't lie. Yet we have this conversation about like nuance and context when it comes to Kobe Bryant. And I'm just going to say this, like, I don't believe that. I don't think we should have even pay attention to that. It's like, listen, there was a non-consensual act of sex. That is rape, period. That is what that was. And so even to invite that discussion for me is problematic. Is there room? I'm sorry, Ash, go ahead. I, well, I was going to say, well, uh, we, we're a society driven by the patriarchy. The reason yeah. why Kobe didn't check is because he is privileged in that regard. Right. He's a male celebrity, so he doesn't have to think about, well, am I endangering this person? Yeah. And so that's that's what I meant when I said it's nuanced and it opens fair, up fair, a discussion. Fair. That, I didn't mean to misrepresent you. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's cool. And I also want to ask just anybody, um, can both things be true, over-scrutinized, and canceled? Like, not necessarily given the same process as a white celebrity. Well, I think for me, like, I'm not, I'm not black. Right. And I know, Ash, you really, I didn't know that. I know. Right. (laughs) Um, And so it's hard for me to relate to Kobe Bryant as that figure from my own community that I would want to see have that redemption arc. And it's because like, I don't have that need to have that redemption arc. Right. There are plenty of white people that are in tears and and lamenting his passing. That's fair. Um, But like, I think the thing that's most telling about Kobe Bryant. So we're having a discussion about should we redeem this character while not having that discussion with people like Donald Trump, who's been accused by 15 separate women of. Uh, well, I don't know. I've had the conversation. I don't know. No, but no accountability. That's None. the difference. The only reason why Kobe is getting this from me is because he publicly acknowledged right. this and he did not victim blame. He didn't make excuses. He yeah. said what needed to be said. And I've yet to hear whether it's Ben Roethlisberger or any right, other right. professional athlete say, you know what? Perhaps impact is bigger than intent, and that person did not see this the same way that I did. Right. And ben, why are all the white guys not in jail? Well, Ben Roethlisberger was the example I was going to bring up, and I actually had just pulled up his Wikipedia entry because I think that might be one of the closest parallels. Oh, it is. He is because he is um, football star instead of basketball star, very well known name, accused of sexual assault in this case multiple times. 
Um, one in, uh, one was in Georgia. One was in Lake Tahoe, uh, California, I think. Um, and, and like, we don't, we, we talk about big Ben, the quarterback. We don't talk about big Ben, the rapist. He hasn't been, uh, he hasn't been canceled. So, so uh, I think, I think there's still something to be said for, for, um, the same area where we critiqued, uh, the Grammys, several years back um where where black folks are getting over scrutinized and they're being held to a higher standard than than white folks are that's why that's how beck beat beyonce for uh um for the grammy and um we're canceling kobe but letting ben slide so also to answer the initial question can someone be over scrutinized and canceled that was the question right yeah yeah all right you can look historically you can look at england i forget what the law was called but at one point people were being executed for stealing pennies essentially right so that would be an example of that also if we look at this within the context of just the nfl you have a ben roethlisberger who his misdeeds have been relegated to internet jokes and then you have a michael vick who is actually yep. put in the work, unpacked, did what he needed to do, and he is still, in 2020, he is hated viscerally. Yeah. No, I think this is a really good point. And I think, for me, this is what the Kobe Bryant uh, discussion really highlights, which is those of us who choose to identify as men, right? Who choose to be part of that community. And even for those of us who get labeled as men by society, right? We need to be better at holding these people accountable. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the big lesson that I come away from this with is like the fact that we can even have a discussion about should Kobe Bryant have been canceled or not. Right. The fact of the matter is he wasn't. The fact of the matter is that he remained a multi-million dollar uh, millionaire who died while on his private helicopter because he wanted to avoid L.A. traffic. He was continuing to enjoy his large ass. Yes. Continuing to enjoy that. Right. That's the end of this discussion. And none of this ruined him. And the woman who had to suffer it, her life was forever changed. Right. But nevertheless, the the people that Ben Roethlisberger uh, sexually assaulted, the people that Donald Trump did, the, all these names that we've talked about, all these people had their lives forever changed because of these men in power and who've been failed to be held accountable. And we can be better about that. And that's the, really the end of the story for me is like we can be better about that. And we should be better about that. We need to be talking about it. like we need more organizations called like men can stop rape. Right. We need that kind of thing. And that name is something that's laughed off of. And I know the men's rights movement is something that's going forward, but it's like that fact that the men's rights movement can even exist is just a sign that we've got a lot more work to do mm. with such toxic masculinity. Mm. Uh, Jay, um, as per usual, you you bring up something very poignant and important and are able to articulate it very well. Um, that's why I call you a good man. Um, this issue of toxic masculinity, it is so, it has permeated so powerfully that you have these groups popping up to defend men's right to be men without taking any time to really atone or or talk about the fact that this his victim was and it's not even comparable to what he experienced she was shamed she was slut shamed she was like all the details of her uh life um, put out there in not in an attempt to find truth, but in an attempt to shame her away from this. And every victim of the men that we're talking about, 
the same circumstance. So again, by the way, these yeah. are all things that Kobe mentioned. So yeah. I, that is I'll why I, that, that yes, is yeah. why I I wonder I, what how are we define like yeah. canceled? Okay, accountability. Okay, but then what comes next is my thing. Like, do we just want to send people to the dungeon for thousand years, like lemon grab, Fair. or like <laughs> uh, like that's. I don't know that I can even come up with an answer to that question. This is this is the part of the conversation that I think I would like us to marinate on this because I do think that there's a discussion about equity, about, um, you know, there's discussion about restorative justice and all of that. And I want to get into it, but I think that this is going to require some more unpacking and some more discussion and planning. And also we can bring some experts in to talk about like this process and how that should be done. Yeah. One last thing I just want to say about this, right. You know, to your point, Kobe did a lot of uh, development after that, after he got confronted with his own toxicity and his own heart. Right. And how he allowed that to manifest. And so I think that there's a lot of value to be talking about there. So to your point, I can see why people might look to him as a hero. Right, but it's like that's not the that's not the picture that's being painted of him these days, right? It's just like sports legend Kobe Bryant, mm. not yeah. man who mm. dealt with his demons or man who realized his own failures and those kind of things, right? And that that to me is going back to our original discussion about like when we're talking about heroes and how we treat them and how we've overcorporatized things and how we've really dealt with heroes as a subject. Yeah, we've yeah. made them these. Mm two-dimensional things and it's just like that's it Kobe Bryant's a sports legend not somebody who had good moral virtue at the end of the day because he dealt with things and I'm not even I'm not sure I'm willing to say that but Uh, but I I will say that they the popular media media will package it and sell it in the easiest way possible and making him a hero and looking at the how lucrative it is to continue to kind of support that I'm gonna move us on what was that saying uh you finished earlier about the uh, you live long enough. Oh yeah, you uh, the, wasn't this from from the Dark Knight? You either uh, die the hero or live long enough to see yourself. I hated become the, the Dark Knight, and this let's unpack Me this. Rose. It was so bad. I sat there and I literally said every single line before they said it. My best friend and the bunch of people we were working at uh, WB, they were like, "You need to leave <laughs> because yeah. you are literally breaking our hearts." It was the worst written yeah. stuff. Um, oh, and the he, darkness and, is your friend. Oh, I want you to eat that microphone. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about our friend. Let's change different hero, a different Dif- hero, different failed hero, or different fallen hero. Fallen and failed. I'm not sure oh. I'd go that far. Let's but go with fallen. Ash, take us. T- tell us a story about a Seattle superhero. <laughs> so this is incredible to me because before I even visited Seattle, I heard about this guy on the internet. Uh, so he is a costume wearing crime fighting vigilante before cosplay, by the way, like he started that before cosplay was a big deal. Uh, Phoenix Jones is a superhero name. And also he was a part of a, a justice league here. Uh, the, the Emerald city, something, uh, something. Yeah. The Emerald city, somethings. but unfortunately (laughs) on this first day of black history month, Mm -hmm. he has been arrested again for what he Sold Molly or what? Or, is, what do they call Molly? What, methylene dioxymethamphetamine. This was what scary. Como News reported, just to make sure. Yeah, scary. Just, just to make sure it sounded as scary as possible. It wasn't MDMA. It wasn't ecstasy. It was methylene dioxymethamphetamine. Yeah. 
He was tripping balls. At a Starbucks. That is very Seattle. It is. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. That was Headed to a Silver Cloud Hotel for a party. Yeah. To an undercover detective. And <laughs> this is not funny, but it's just interesting how far we've come in modern like technology. Uh, he sent him money over Venmo. That's right. That's naturally that's totally right. <laughs> I really like his um, his uh, costume is is pretty intense. It, to me, it, it looks as a, a costume should. Um, this is his. This is the other thing too. I was uh, all the headlines are like again arrested again. So do we know what his first um, his first arrest was? With like violence or some kind of? Oh, I'm not sure. Classic I... vigilante justice. I hope that's arrest. what it is. But uh, you know. Um, this I loved it when I heard about this kind of the formation of all this, and it kind of did kick off a few other copycat kind of groups in other places. I mean, I want to be a superhero. I would do that. Oh yeah, I think it'd be awesome. You, you can only do that here because of the mutual combat law. All yeah. right, you were literally led. This is so like it's like we share a psychic bond, all four of us. Um, <laughs> what does that even mean? Uh, uh, correct me because I'm a newbie here. I just oh, moved I here. Yeah. Uh, but to my knowledge, the mutual combat law states that you can challenge any opponent to a battle of fisticuffs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the Fistic. police cannot interfere. They have to referee unless it gets dangerous or someone this picks up a weapon. so much. You literally explained my nightlife. <laughs> I, I was in Pioneer Square. We were at... Uh, it was yeah yeah uh we went uh, to a bar and these two gentlemen got into a fight the cops were just watching and i'm like wait a minute what and then the, the gentleman fell in the middle of the street the guy pulled the other guy's pants down and spanked him in front of all these people wow. and the guy was like you know what the guy said dude <laughs> it was the most <laughs> imp- he was like dude and then then the fight ended i love these guys though because one i love that they're practicing their second amendment right to form militias Right, ah. so the Justice League couldn't be regarded as a militia, oh, and so they're totally okay to do that, which is wow. kind of neat. Uh, they even are well regulated; like they have costumes, they can identify publicly, like they know what's going on. Oh my gosh! Yeah, right. So yeah. I think it's awesome. There's a cool documentary about them called Superheroes. And is it old? Oh, is it good. an older one? Yeah, it's 2011 I now. I didn't even realize that was in the <clears throat> Second Amendment simply because the discussion surrounding it is always guns. Oh yeah. Wow, that's so true. Blew my mind. You know who else was a militia? Since it's Black History Month, could it be Black Panthers? The Black Panther Party. Yeah, absolutely. And I just found out an hour ago that the Seattle chapter of the Black Panther Party was the party's first outside of California and the second outside of Oakland. It's a really interesting uh, paper written by Linda Holden Givens uh, two years ago that. I will provide the link to yeah. right on. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the, um, what did they do here in Seattle? What would, uh, where were they putting cultural pressure to kind of move the needle on what it says? Uh, let's see. 19 year old Aaron Lloyd Dixon was appointed captain of the Seattle chapter by party co-founder Bobby seal. So this is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, at the Dixon family home in Seattle's Madrona neighborhood in April, 1968, a week after Dixon and other young activists from Seattle met seal and other Panthers at a conference in California. Within two years, the Seattle chapter grew from a neighborhood storefront office to the main headquarters, providing free breakfasts for school children, free transportation to visit family members in prison, and a free medical clinic. The Seattle Black Panther Party disbanded in 1978 after 10 years serving the community. It's interesting. It 
really sounds like the Seattle Black Panther Party is doing a lot of the same things that we kind of need to be, you know, done right now where we're actually serving the people who most need it. Yeah, this is an interesting thing. So I, I actually am one of those weird far leftists that doesn't support abolishing the Second Amendment for reasons like the Black Panther Party. Yeah. And all I think a lot of people don't realize this is it's like when you get periods of civil unrest, oftentimes marginalized groups will organize around each other and actually protect each other. And this is a big deal. It's like uh, for the white people, you had the Irish gangs in New York who did this. Mm-hmm. They actually had their own militias that would protect themselves. Um, in Florida right now, there's a there's a gun shop that is offering free uh, gun safety and training classes to Jewish folks um, who are worried yep. about their own safety. Yep. It then, was one of the things that changed my impression. I actually flipped to supporting gun rights i mean like it was such a it was such a fundamental shift for me because of the campaign right because Mm -hmm. sitting down and talking with communities and hearing it was just like it's not like if you're a wine mom and you're looking at stuff or you're 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 processing the tragedy of a school shooting which is horrible oh yeah um it can be very easy to be like i'm gonna knee jerk this and no guns take all the guns i've said that i've said take all the guns melt them down in front of the people who want them i'm fine with that too to -hmm. be clear like i it's an all or nothing melt some of the guns if we were to get rid of all of them, I think that's a fine thing. But you also got to disarm the police if you're doing that. Oh, I agree yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they just become thugs. You literally got, I got panicking. I'm like, wait, but the co- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you disarm yeah, the police too. But the the thing about it is, again, it's like the Black Panthers. I mean, you see the photos of them armed with they have their berets and their they have their N16s. You know who didn't support that? Uh, was it the KKK? The, of course, <laughs> and, uh, but also the NRA. Yes, really. Uh, got, that's when suddenly they back then they wanted gun control. And didn't they actually pass some laws in California they to sure prevent? Did. Yes, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Wait, wait, tell me, tell me more. I don't know this. Oh. It's funny how this works. I don't remember the politicians involved, and also I feel this is loosely linked to Reagan. I do too. Uh, classic. Yeah. It always the, is. The NRA suddenly wanted some sort of strict gun control once they oh, yeah. caught wind of the Panther Party arming themselves. Yep. Wow. Yeah, they were. Uh, they basically were brandishing arms outside of the. Okay, so here the Mulford Act was a 1967 California bill that repealed a law allowing public carry of loaded firearms. Yep. <laughs> All because of the Panthers. Because they were black. Let yep. me tell you. So my <laughs> grandfather is a former Panther. Uh, out of the Houston chapter. And he told me that back then, this was a very violent time. Uh, Initially, they would retaliate against the police because police brutality is an ongoing thing. It didn't just start with social media. Uh, And so back then, he said that for every innocent black person a police officer murdered, they would murder that officer. And <laughs> bold statement, very wow. bold. But then he said they eventually realized this was a bad strategy because at the time, police officers are basically foot soldiers. So yeah. they lose an officer. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then there were some people who took it the next level. And instead of retaliating by murdering police officers, they would target innocent people, their family members, whether it was uh, wives or uh, older family members, even children sometimes, just an eye for an eye. And apparently it wasn't until that moment that uh, the people in that position wanted to talk peace uh, because now they could suddenly empathize. Now they know what it feels like to lose someone close to them. 
which is why I, I don't really condone the the vigilantism uh, in in 2020. But self defense is important, and oh, that's yeah. yeah. That's why mm-hmm. I'm for the Second Amendment. Uh, just not military grade weapons oh, as a military exactly. vet. Oh, yeah. Exactly. No one needs. Not even the cops. They not don't need to be rolling even, down the street. The cops. Oh man, no. absolutely. Uh, self reliance. Too. I mean, like that is that's yeah. critical. Um, yeah. I'm gonna move us. Uh, it is it is critical. I see you looking dubious, but the fact that like if cops aren't coming to your neighborhood mm. because it's a neighborhood of color, right? And you're able to help and yeah. be self reliant. So, I mean, I still I still I guess I'm the most anti Second Amendment person here, um, and I'm okay with that. But yeah. like, I still I still can see where where everybody's coming from, and at the same time, I. I do look at um, what the Second Amendment has wrought upon my students. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I I have to run um, active shooter drills in my in my school, and I've had to do it all five years. I've had lockdowns. I've had to get all of my you know high school students in a corner, quote unquote, to protect them. But in reality, let's be honest, it's for the sake of having something to do. Um, so. I, I still I understand where this where the the pro Second Amendment protect yourself situation I, uh, philosophy comes from and being Jewish and being a brown man um, I totally can see why it's good to own a gun but I'd be much more interested in knowing how to use one and still yeah. never again seeing one legal legally carried on the street. Yeah, that's back to my earlier point, right? All or nothing. Mm-hmm. Take them all or yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the problem that we have is that there are white supremacists. There are some really radical, fascist, awful human beings yeah. who are very well armed. And so now we're in this sticky situation. It's like, okay, how do we get out of this? And we still have to deal yeah. with the inequity. Like we still have to deal with the fact that there are communities of color. There are uh, poor communities that are not being served in the same way that need yeah we, there's a lot of work to do it can't you it, the solution isn't just to yank all the guns yeah i would love to get rid of all the guns by the way i, I would, I would too, be believe me, I, I would me love too. to repeal the second amendment this is my solution all right take everyone who doesn't want to live in texas out of texas and send all of these white <laughs> nationalists to Texas. I've thought a lot about that fantasy. Mm-hmm. And move then oh, remove Texas Build that from wall. the United Build States. Build that wall. And Build boom, that wall. there we go. <laughs> they get their guns, and we don't have to deal with them anymore. I just want. Well, I just wonder if uh, if Phoenix Jones was actually armed if the shooting that happened last week in Seattle would have happened. Oh, Ooh. I don't know that I would like to go there. They got those guys, yeah. though. They did. They, they did. They did. Finally yeah, they caught, caught them. them. Good. Yeah. All right. Then we is, don't need to talk about it. It is dredged up that whole corridor there, and like, let's start throwing yep. people in jail, and let's use jail as a yep. hospital and a mental institution. And a- One other thing that guns have been used successfully to defend is actually against from workers against capitalists, too. This is All a really right. big piece of it, right? <laughs> so when they strike. Tits. Well, listen. It's not so long ago that Coca-Cola, this is when the last 30 years hired hitmen to take out union labor workers. Oh, and they're, yeah. What? Yeah, wow. yeah this is, I, all right, maybe that's not I, 100% I, know, I didn't accurate, know this. But like, I'm going to look into I, we're this. Gonna, we're yeah. going to check Such some facts. Such a great segue, though. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> I want to just kiss you until you're dead. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet and horrifying. Um there is so there is a nurses. They were calling it a nurses strike in the news, but it was a uh, it was a giant labor action um, over the course of three days um, against the 
the brand is Swedish Hospital, but the actual organization is the Providence Hospitals um, that that uh, owns and operates Swedish Hospital and in downtown Seattle. Um, thousands, thousands of employees um, struck from Wednesday, from last Wednesday through Friday, um, and you know the news. The news and the pro Providence group media is um, is claiming that it's all that it's just the nurses striking and they're striking because they want higher wages. In reality, um, the the people who are striking it's not just nurses; it's nurses, it's nursing assistants, radiology techs, pharmacists, pharma techs, and environmental services, um, which which uh, Troy in the pre show. Uh, described as as like they are the custodians who know how to deal with people. Very specialized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so and so we like we have to look at it as as a all of those people and not just fighting for wages. Like forty percent of the people who work at Swedish cannot afford to live in in Seattle. But in addition, um the the nurses and uh and the other medical workers who are who are being represented by the union and even the environmental services folks all of them are getting horribly uh they're all understaffed to the point that it's actually harming patient outcomes um instead of instead of the 4 to 1 ratio uh four patients to one nurse in the emergency room uh, there are reports of six patients to one nurse, seven patients to one nurse. You're not giving enough time for um, for these patients to actually be seen by medical professionals. And these, a lot of the people who go to Swedish, especially the downtown one, there's mental illness, there's domestic violence. Um, people have been showing up with machetes and like there are reports in these news articles of folks showing up with guns, knives, machetes. Um, that that these nurses don't have the time or or um, necessarily training to deal with. So there's so the union is striking for uh, safety purposes, for staffing purposes. Yes, for wages, but it's just one of the one part one of the many, but an important one too. Pay right. them what they're worth. Let people be able to live right. and do a job that they truly care deeply about. Yeah. And the thing to remember about a union action of this magnitude is you may not be a member of a union, but unions protect you mm-hmm. as a worker. These threats of not working, um, of slowing it down, uh, these people don't do it lightly. And especially healthcare workers, um, the the emotional turmoil that they faced, and the um, and they're just all they want is to be able to take care of their patients and be able to afford to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was one of the. Uh, I think we we are fortunate because we have people like Shama Sawant and other folks who are like, no, it's okay to protect the worker. Like the worker is a fundamental aspect of all this and it shouldn't be just a small percentage of people that get the benefit of their hard work um to have seen the people that uh that held the line it was it was phenomenal um and it was a lot of people who um did the thing they got out of facebook they moved away from social media they you know of course they of course pictures flooded in but they were there Mm -hmm. talk talk to people who are in unions ask them 
what it's like to be in a union. Go and support pro-union candidates. And they'll listen. They're transparent. Like every one of their issues that every one of their like with this SEIU um, strike, it's all there. You right. can go to the website. There's no hidden agenda. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike the people they're, you know, picketing right. against. Right. Just don't just uh, you know, don't don't follow the uh, entirely the corporate line when Providence is saying that this is about selfish nurses. Um, don't believe it because because these are they're people who are trying to live in Seattle like anybody else. And um, they are not only fighting for their paychecks. They're fighting for everybody. They're fighting for the common good. Right on. Um, good stuff. Um, that's awesome. And we're going to get some more interviews and talk with some folks. Um, and we want to follow what's next. Yeah. Here's hoping um, that we're all on unions. Um, uh, we're moving into a new discussion that I, I suddenly struck me as just so weary. But looking here we are. What is it today? Oh, yeah. What's the date? February 1st, 2020. Is this the palate cleanser? Are we, <sighs> are we doing that? Because this is not cleansing my palate. Yeah. I'm telling you. Let's find a way to make it. Maybe like maybe like what's everybody's hope for like the what what's the ideal outcome for 2020? Well, that we'd redo January. Mm. I think that's a great start. Yeah, I do want to say that one of the things um, about January 2020, um, we lost a dear friend and a um, one of the sweetest human beings. Um, you just he didn't even have to talk to you. I had a neighbor who, David Baca, um, was a, a dear friend and lived right here in the lab with us. We all live here together, um, and uh, you know he, David passed. And it was shocking and it was very, very sad, but it was an example of how one person can impact such a wide variety of people from my neighbors who had just, who walked by him, uh, having, was having a bad day. And David smiled in that David way, like you got this and wearing his Russian hat. Where, yeah, yeah, we yeah, the, the leopard print. Of, you know, rush, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you know, David, um, uh, the services in Georgetown packed. Um, oh yeah, I saw the photos of that. Yeah, uh, really remarkable. Uh, uh, you know, it was beautiful to see. Um, David would be angry, not angry about it. Not necessarily like he wouldn't be furious, but he just didn't accept it. He doesn't yeah. that, but he knew. Everybody, everybody has come into the podcast for an interview. He's uh, canvassed for them or he's worked with them. Um, people in like love karaoke, um, nice. like it just ran the gamut from artists to just everyday people. And then his passion, taking care of people, providing safe spaces for people to uh, get out of the cold. Uh, being a, a person that worked on behalf of homeless people, he was amazing. I think he's a, you know, the entire time we've been talking about heroes, we've been talking about unions, mm. Luke Skywalker, mm. Kobe, or all that. And I think David Bach is one of those heroes you see in your own community, right? Mm-hmm. He's like the guy who actually tries to make a change in somebody's life. Mm. You know, I don't think you need to be a Phoenix Jones to do that either. <laughs> Maybe you just No costume, your, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a costume. The hat. The hat was his costume, yeah, yeah. I was going to second that, that, that the heroes aren't always the ones who are visible. The heroes aren't the ones who have costumes or uh, make themselves well-known. The heroes can be the people sitting right next to you um, or the ones who are living down the street. David was a 
perfect example. Yeah, phenomenal man, uh, David. You are missed. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a tough one. It was a tough one, and remains a tough one. Um, could have done without that little trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David Baca missed. Um, we will uh, um, uh, honor him as we move forward. There's actually already kind of a, an altar to him and some stuff that's going on uh, in Georgetown. Um, and with that, you know, I think it's better left to David Baca. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second and third. We've got some. Um, uh, sorry. Okay. We've got some, uh, he's seen karaoke, it's so bad. <laughs> but it's great, like we should play it at the end. That'd be great. It can be a play out music. Yeah. yeah. Dressing rooms are great 